watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister. Welcome to a special presentation of the Windsor Film Club. I am one of your hosts, Raina Cervantes, and with me as always is Steph. Hello. I almost just burped as I was saying my name. <laughs> I know, and, and I didn't really say what the club's like goals are and whatnot, because as I said, this is a special presentation of it. Yeah. We are one host down. Guestless. Just the two of us. Pretty much. And the last episode was two of us, too. So I'm like, can I get you both in one episode someday again? Next week. Next week. Right? Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Next week, for sure. So we decided to kind of experiment with each other for this episode. No, wait. What? <laughs> it came out wrong. <laughs> but we can leave that joke in if you want. <laughs> I would like everyone to know that we both just took two shots. So it's going to be a rowdy episode. It's a, it's a very loose, rowdy yeah. episode. <laughs> so no, we did not experiment with each other. We decided to experiment <laughs> with this episode and kind of do like a late night film club thing. Kind of not really a focus on one movie in particular, but like a central theme, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's Windsor Film Club After Dark. Ooh, that's a real good one. So before we dive into what our topic is this week, you weren't here last week. I was not. Care to fill in some of our listeners as to what you've been up to lately? Yeah, honestly, just, I mean, it's very boring, just working a lot. But I have managed to have the time to watch a few things. Also, I'm in the middle of editing last week's episode, which is actually really fun because I wasn't there for it. So I'm like experiencing it as I go along. <laughs> uh, but it's funny because originally last week, before I knew that I wasn't going to be able to participate, I was planning on bringing Severance as my like, what have you been watching this week thing. Oh, and then, ironic. Yeah. And then Lucy <laughs> was like, oh, I just watched Severance. And I was like, bitch, all right. <laughs> so so it got covered anyway. <laughs> but I would like to reiterate what she said and that it's amazing and everyone should watch it. Like, it was so good. Oh, my God. I have never – I don't think I've been this obsessed or, like, this hooked on a weekly show since Westworld – Oh, shit. That's like, bold. Yeah. It was like every episode ended with the biggest cliffhanger. And like I was literally screaming at my TV, like literally screaming, like what the fuck is mm -hmm. going on? It's so good. I recommend it to literally everyone. Wow. Yeah. I really need to watch that one. Yeah. It's not very long. It's on Apple TV. It's like eight or 10 episodes, I think. But it like flies by. It's so good. But I wasn't going to talk about that. <laughs> Because Lucy talked about it last week. So I was going to talk about – what was I going to talk about? What have I been watching? I haven't had a lot of time because I've been working like a stupid amount of hours and I'm renovating a house and I have a YouTube channel to maintain. So there's a lot going on. But this past two weeks, for some reason, I decided to watch a bunch of David Fincher movies randomly. I, I watched The Social Network. I watched Gone Girl. Something else. I don't remember, but I don't know what moved me to do this. I was just like, ah, I just feel like watching all these movies and they're great and they hold up. <laughs> they really do. I'm a huge like fight club apologist. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie I very much adore 
and unapologetically. That's fair. But yeah, his movies fucking give Panic Room a Blu-ray release already. It's got <laughs> Kristen Stewart. Come on. Yeah, for real. Yeah, his movies are very good. Yeah, I was I was watching Gone Girl because of the uh, Johnny Depp Amber Heard case that's going on right now, and everyone kept comparing Amber Heard to. Um, what's her name in Gone Girl? And I was like, oh yeah, I should rewatch that. And then I was like, damn, it kind of be right though. I'm just sticking out of that whole thing. I I see people <laughs> posting it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna bother diving in. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't care. I've just, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> it's an excuse to watch a movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't watch anything this week. Yeah i I went to Coachella for the weekend. Oh yeah, how was it? Oh. It was nuts. It was great. It was like my fifth year going, but first time staying in Palm Springs, which is about, I don't know, half hour from the venue. And we got like this like huge suite. It was really nice. And I did the quantity over quality acts. Like in years past, I'd be like, got to see as many people as I can in the shortest amount of time. And this year I was like, I'm a chill. <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, I'm only see a couple acts. So who'd you see? I mainly saw Friday night. I got into the venue super late because hotel check in was like 4 p.m. So Friday I saw Run the Jewels and Harry Styles. Ah, uh, yeah, and got near the front for Harry Styles. I'm sick. Was was not a fan before, but am a very huge fan now. Hell yeah, <laughs> he was. Puts on a great show and he's got good music. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And then Saturday, I saw Brockhampton's final performance because it was their final show. They're breaking up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was very emotional. Yeah, I'm sure. Managed to see Danny Elfman, which which was a blast. It was weird. He's seen uh, Edward Scissorhands and music from Batman live. That's weird. I didn't know he was at Coachella. That's very interesting yeah he was like one of the acts that when they announced it i was like wait danny elfman yeah like it like took me a moment to even register who you said because in my mind i was like not no there must be a different yeah no (laughs) it was him and he like played the most random set there were like oingo boingo songs yeah solo songs there was batman spider-man he edward scissorhands he played the simpsons theme at one point wait that's so cool yeah it was quite did he play weird science he didn't and i was kind of hoping he would damn but he didn't the best oingo boy but that day i decided to dress up as harley quinn because i was like on the off chance he plays batman yeah yeah so (laughs) i saw him on saturday and in the evening, we closed out with Billie Eilish. Uh, I'm so jealous. She's so good. It was my second time seeing her this month, actually, because I went and saw- This month? Yeah, because I saw her on her solo tour at the Phoenix stop. That's what I went Bruh. out to Phoenix for. And she, like, did yeah. her entire, like, tour set only with the added that, like, she brought out Haley Williams on stage and they played Misery Business. Oh, that's so and fun. And that was super sick. Like, my emo heart was, Damn. like, dying. Yeah, um, <laughs> that sounds awesome. And then Sunday... I actually only saw Doja Cat and Swedish House Mafia in a split set with The Weeknd. Oh, that sounds good, though. Uh, Neither one of those acts were really that good. Oh, no. Yeah, Doja Cat did, like, she did this weird thing where, like, she had, like, a full band with her. So a lot of her songs were, like, hard rock or metal versions of her songs. Oh, that sounds fun, It was, but it was was weird hearing, like, a hard rock version of Say So. And it kind of doesn't work as a hard rock song. Yeah, that's fair. I guess like if you're going to do it, maybe do it for like one or two songs, but not like 
your entire set that is a little yeah weird, and then the weekend in swedish house mafia is like i'd be stoked for swedish house mafia if it was like 2012 but they played for 40 minutes before the weekend came out and the weekend only did like six songs three of them covers and oh, didn't do that's very yeah weird. and didn't do one thing off after dawn so huh. i think he's saving that for his tour but overall i was pretty disappointed yeah that's lame yeah he was doing like he did crew love by drake and low life by uh future like songs he's featured in but like just do your own music maybe. i i guess <laughs> i guess it, he was a last minute replacement for kanye who dropped out oh i didn't yeah know kanye dropped out like he dropped out the week i saw billy eilish and that was like at the beginning of april and coachella happened this weekend so he dropped out like last minute so it was kind of like that might have been why it was a split set because it's like oh i don't really have a set yet yeah okay that's fair especially like coachella is such high pressure yeah that he was probably like i'm not prepared for this yeah that's probably what it was but you know everyone else was good those are pretty much the only acts i saw i didn't like i wasn't obsessed with getting into the venue right away this year and just kind of took my time just kind of soaked in the sides went to the record store there like you know just vibed it was fun yeah that sounds always fun always recommend it wait how did we get here this is a podcast about it. It is. I, it is. But unfortunately, I didn't watch anything this week. <laughs> you did. You just watched a different media. Yeah. You know, I do like music. So, you know, maybe. Some, yeah. I mean, don't maybe sometimes I'll like come in and go like, I listened to this final record this week. Honestly, I love that. I think that's Speaking fine. Speaking of vinyl <laughs> records, movie related. Did you see that the vinyl got announced for Firestarter, the new movie coming out? No. Okay. I did not. You're aware who's doing the soundtrack for it, right? No. Fucking John Carpenter. <laughs> what? He's doing the soundtrack for the new Firestarter. Shut your face. No, I swear. And they took like pre-orders for the vinyl because it's like him and his son. And Yo, I'm looking this up. Yeah. Right and it's like funny. Ooh, it's yellow. I got, I got this exclusive one that's like smoke and ash colored Ooh, yeah that's cool they dropped the first track off of it this week and it's funny because i feel like that's a little in joke because john carpenter was supposed to direct the original firestarter movie so this was like oh Oh. we remember that (laughs) that's amazing yeah it's a the one song they dropped they dropped the credits music and it's really good oh shit okay i have to check this out no it's idea. probably the thing that I'm most looking forward to involving that movie because that movie otherwise looks. Eh. Yeah, I wasn't really that excited about it, but now I am. <laughs> it looks like an X Men movie. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I can't really figure out the vibe and if it's something that I also want. <laughs> we're old enough that Zac Efron is playing a dad in movies. I know it's so weird. <laughs> I'm like, I feel so I'm like old. he's not old enough, and then I Google it, and I'm like, oh shit, he might be. <laughs> Wait, how old is he, Zach? Oh, oh shit. I used to age. know it right he off the top of my head. He's 34. Yeah. He's 34. He's old enough to be a dad. He is old enough to be a dad. Wild, right? It's, it's weird. We're getting to a point now where, like, I'll watch a TV show or a movie or something, and I'll realize that everyone in it is younger than me. Mm-hmm. And it is such a bizarre feeling. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, I hate it. Like I was earlier today, I was like simping over, um, what's her name? Sophie Thatcher from Yellow Jackets. And then I looked up, I was like really 
stalking her Instagram and I felt very creepy. And then I looked up her age and I was like, oh my God, Steph, you need to not do this. She's like 22, 21. She's 21. A lot of people are like barely discovering her, but I remember her from the Exorcist series. Oh, I didn't know she was in the that. The TV show. Yeah. Oh my God. Have you seen that? No. Oh, no okay. No spoilers. Just go watch it. That's all I have to say. Okay. It's it is so good. It is something that like really it is something that shouldn't work because it was also on like basic cable and like you know obviously it's I'll say this it's a sequel to the original movie. Okay, it's good though. Okay. Once you realize what the main twist is, I mean I can say it now and we'll edit it out just so I can really hook you. Well, wait, but I don't want to spoil. Okay, it. then go watch it. <laughs> Okay. It's good. It's great. It's on Hulu, I believe. All right. All right. Adding it to the list. But yeah. Wow. So we, we, we are really buzzed because we are really bouncing around topics right now. I know. Because <laughs> now I'm going to dive into yellow jackets. No, I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. What a good show, though. Yeah. Oh. I think we've talked about it three times in a row now on this podcast. It's one of those shows that like lives free in my mind. And I'm like... The Same. wait for season two is like unbearable. I know. I and um, what was I gonna say? The Wilds comes out like in a couple weeks, and that's like kind of similar to Yellow Jackets, but I keep getting them confused because <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna watch the Wilds, and then I'm like, wait, no, I'm watching. I'm not watching Yellow Jackets. I'm watching the Wilds because they're. Have you seen the Wilds? No, I need to though. It's good. It's I. It's not as good as Yellow Jackets, but it's like a very similar concept. Uh-huh. And season two comes out really soon. I just got a screener for it, actually, and I'm going to binge the hell out of it. Nice. But it's like filling the void of Yellow Jackets. Yes, <laughs> I really I just can't. I can't wait for season two. I want it now. <laughs> January, I think. I think we'll get it around then. December, January, like kind of where we got long, kind of where we got season one. But you want to reveal to our listeners what our topic is today? Yes. Yeah, we should probably get into that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I am very excited about today's episode. We are originally, we were going to talk about the film Good Time by the Safdie Brothers starring Robert Pattinson, the one and only. But then we decided that it would be more fun to just go go down a journey, a deep dive into Robert Pattinson's film career and kind of go through all of his different roles and the evolution of Robert Pattinson and what led him ultimately to the Batman, which I'm very excited to talk about. The Batman. The Batman. The and listen, they Batman. did the opposite of social network where they like cut out the, they're like, no, leaving the, it's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. Honestly, it works though, because like there, yeah, there are a lot, of, a lot of Batmans, but like this is the Batman. <laughs> I was just like, it's nice to have a movie again that's like called Batman. Yeah, like yeah, The Dark Knight. It's not come like, on. I mean, that's a fun title, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it is nice. Just that's what it is. It's the Batman. I'm curious what the if they make a sequel, what that would be called. They they just say fucking called the Batman two. Because there is no Batman 2. <laughs> I love it. Honestly, they could. They could. I, I don't it's, care what it's, they call it. It's probably it. going to be called the Batman colon something. Yeah. Probably something dumb. Like <laughs> the Batman colon heart of ice and it's Mr. Freeze. Maybe it'll be. <laughs> maybe it'll be like the Batman year two. Or was this year this two? Was or year was this was year two. One? This was year two. But. You know what happens year three in the comics, right? Oh, 
Come on. It's been so long. I read these comics in high school and I like they're all jumbled up now in my brain. Robin. Ah shit. Okay. I was just thinking about this earlier. How badly I want Robin. Like, I think <laughs> why don't we have Robin in like any Batman? Okay, movies? I'll save this conversation for when we get to the Batman, but I have a theory. Okay. Um, so you wanted to lead off this conversation with some early Robert Pattinson thoughts? Yes. So I did some research before this. And by research, I mean that I watched the documentary. <laughs> uh, okay. I need to say it with a straight face. Uh, there is a documentary about Robert Pattinson that came out in 2009. And it is called Robsessed. Robsessed. Jesus. It is called Robsessed. <laughs> Jesus. And I was like, I, I don't even know how I discovered this. I was just like looking up Robert Pattinson movies and this thing came up called Robsessed. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And it's like, it came out a year after Twilight. So like in the height of the Twilight rage. Oh God, the cover to this movie. <laughs> I know. it's. <laughs> I watched the entire thing. I even paid $2. <laughs> watch it on youtube because i just had i just had to watch this i was like what the fuck is this movie i i did learn some things about mr pattinson but i will say uh i would not recommend this documentary to anyone mm -hmm. <laughs> unless you want to like watch a bad movie then by all means go for it it was it was like hilariously bad it looked like it was made an iMovie like the transitions were very iMovie and like the hot pink graphics. And, like They used like the same five Getty images over and over again. And it felt like a, like an 80 minute watch mojo video. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're going to travel down the memory lane of Robert Pattinson, a heartthrob that is starstruck America. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Oh lord. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like the there was like this really obnoxiously enthusiastic narrator. But anyways, I did learn some things <laughs> that I thought would be a nice place to start. So, Robert Pattinson apparently didn't even want to be an actor. He started as a model at a super young age. He was a teen model because he had very androgynous features and Apparently, that was something that was very much desired in teen models at the time. Uh, and so he was he was working as a model and then he somehow got into theater and he didn't get paid for anything. It was just like a hobby of his to be in theater. And then he was performing. I forget what play it was, but he was just performing in a play and there was randomly some agent there, some casting agent. And they saw him and they were like, oh, my God this guy needs to be like a movie star. Like he's going to be a star. So they contacted him and then he was in some horrible TV movie called sort of Xanton, <laughs> which looks like a really bad Lord of the Rings ripoff. I don't think it's even called sort of Xanton anymore. That's like what it was called originally. And now it's called the ring of nebulings. <laughs> But like the the poster for the movie is like straight up. A what Lord of the, the fuck? This looks like like <laughs> Dragonheart or something. I know it's ridiculous, and he wears like this super ridiculous outfit, and I think he's just like a minor role. But that's uh, a movie that I don't ever want to watch. But then right after that, he was cast as Cedric Diggory in Harry Potter, which is 
actually insane that he just like randomly went from this Lord of the Rings ripoff to that. Mm -hmm. But then after that, he just kind of fell right back into doing weird indie movies. Uh (laughs) His hair in this Lord of the Rings (laughs) ripoff. I know. I know. I know. It's it's a lot. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Oh, no. It's like that was his first movie. (laughs) That's so funny. But the fact that like that was his only film credit and then someone was like, yeah, you should be in Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? Major role. (laughs) It's so funny. But he apparently didn't even get paid very much for Harry Potter and no one really like knew who he was and he was very introverted and shy and he just kind of like like no one really cared which is wild because he's on the fucking poster i know yeah it's so weird yeah so after that he was in a couple of more tv movies he was in this film called how to be which i think is like a coming of age movie and then he was he played salvador dali in little ashes i just saw that Uh, and the cover of it (laughs) is hilarious with the like salvador dali mustache oh my god it's so funny if you just like google robert pattinson salvador dali the images of him are so ridiculous okay i gotta see some of these (laughs) it's so funny there's one where he's like staring into the camera but it's like it's just so funny i was like this is like almost as good as like when vigo mortensen played like sigmund freud (laughs) oh my gosh i can't handle this mustache and it's ridiculous it's so funny but but right after that is when he somehow got chosen to play Edward Cullen in Twilight. Ah, yes. It took us approximately 25 minutes for this podcast to hit the Twilight movies. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, that's... <laughs> mm, I was in high school when those were, were coming out, and yeah, those, were, those were quite the big deal. It was a huge deal. I think I went to, like, every midnight showing for them. I did also. <laughs> I had, like, t-shirts <laughs> of this fucking movie. Oh, my God. I, like... It's, like, embarrassing to admit this now, but, like, I was a huge Twilight fan. Like, when the books came out, I loved them. And I will say, they are not good books. Like, they're absolutely not good books. No, the movies are better. Yeah, they are. They're still not great. (laughs) Got Pattinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kristen Stewart. Yeah. But the, the one thing that I will say, and I will stand by this, that I really do love about Twilight is, at least for me... It was the first time in my life that everyone around me was reading the same book as me. Like, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I was always a person who loved to read and I was always just kind of like alone and didn't really have anyone to talk to about these things other than like Harry Potter. But I was like really young when those came out. So it wasn't really the same. So this was like in high school. I was a book nerd and like all of a sudden books were cool and like reading was cool and everyone was reading this book. And I was like, wow, I finally have like people to talk to about books. How exciting. (laughs) And like, it sucks that like that was Twilight, but it was still, you know, special, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I would say so. Like 2009, everybody was like reading Twilight and Watchmen at my school like to (laughs) circle back to our back episode but i kind of had that experience with those two books movies man they get people to read whether 
people want to admit it or not oh yeah absolutely like what the fuck did i just read because i saw it was a it was a book oh no i just started reading once upon a time in hollywood the novelization of it oh so it was like written after it was written after and it's written by tarantino himself and so far it's vastly different from like the movie huh is it good yes that's all i'll say it's great (laughs) okay i didn't know this was oh yeah and there's also like a script in the back of the hardcover for an episode of bounty law so you can read like okay wait that's actually yeah so you can read like the script for like a full episode of that show it's interesting that a movie that's literally about hollywood and movies Mm -hmm. Is the one he decided to make a book? (laughs) Well, I think if I'm correct, he said it initially started out as a novel, like Hateful Eight did. And then they turned into plays, and then they turned into movies. So this is the first time he's really kind of like committed to that idea of delivering a novel. But off topic, (laughs) right in the thick of like the Twilight hustle. That's what I'm going to call it. Cause that's exactly what it was. <laughs> he, he was like, he was doing those for a paycheck, you know, damn well. Oh yeah. He did a little movie in 2010 called remember me. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this movie. I do not know how to talk about this movie to be honest. Oh, I do know that this movie shaped my personality for oh, at least a year. No, <laughs> you're joking. Well, only a, a specific part of it. <laughs> the uh, I can't remember her name, but like the lead girl, Emile de Robin. <laughs> sure, she like first of all, she was like one of the first like manic pixie dream girls i think because she was like weird and she wasn't like other girls and there was like the part where she she's like oh i eat dessert before i eat my dinner oh my gosh <laughs> and i was like oh my god that's gonna be my personality trait oh, now <laughs> no okay like i am so cool yeah i eat my dessert first because i don't give a fuck gosh <laughs> Gosh, I could totally see you doing that shit too. That's why I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just gonna rip the bandaid off and talk about what everybody talks about this fucking movie for the yep. ending. Yep. For those Ugh. of you that don't know, the movie ends <laughs> with Robert Pattinson's character Tyler. I believe he goes to make up with his father at his father's work. Yeah, and he works like in an office building, and he's his dad's not there yet, so he's just chilling, waiting, and it's revealed that it's September 11, 2001, <laughs> and he's in the North Tower of the World Trade Center. I should not be laughing. Right it's now. so it's so i don't it's it's so unnecessary it's, it's crass yeah the movie what is the, the word mo- yeah the movie does not even hint <laughs> that it takes place in 2001 it just comes straight out like of left it field. literally it is the most ridiculous plot twist for no reason i remember seeing it opening night and i thought for the most part the movie was pretty forgettable and then that ending hit and i was like oh my god i am never going to forget this movie you will remember it mm, he dies in 9 11 i i was just like okay and also this movie is extremely depressing like before that even happens it's a very depressing movie Uh and so like 
for me, I was like, oh, okay, we're finally going to get like a happy ending. He's going to like reconnect with his father. Everything's going to be happy. And nope. then it's like, oh, by the way, it's 9-11 and he's in the Twin Towers. <laughs> I was like, what? We're not only going to have him die, but have him die in one of the most tragic ways possible. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, and for what? For That'd what? Be like if they remade it and it's like, oh, he went to go make up with his dad, but he died of coronavirus on the way. Oh, oh my god. Oh no. Some drama movie is going to do that in a year or so, isn't it? That is absolutely gonna happen. Ugh. Pattinson's good in it. Movie's forgettable. 9-11 ending. Let's move on from it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Remember Me in a nutshell. Oh my god. No, I don't. I was gonna say I kinda wanna rewatch it, but I really don't. <laughs> Listen. Hey, you you do you. That's all that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> no, I I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to relive the trauma of watching that. So after that, he did Eclipse, which it's like, we all know Eclipse. No need to hang around on it. Although that is the first one with Bryce Dallas Howard, isn't it? Is she in Eclipse? Yes. I believe she replaced the original actress of Victoria. (gasps) Oh my God. Yep, that's Bryce Dallas Howard as Victoria in Eclipse. I have like erased these films from my memory and I truly can't remember a single thing, but I, I think you're right. Because I do remember she got replaced. Mm-hmm. I have it right. I, I, I have it in front it of me. It's Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that one. Wow. Yeah. That one was also from the director of fucking 30 Days of Night. What? Yeah, they changed directors after the first one, I think, because she was terrible. <laughs> Wasn't <laughs> it then, like Catherine, I think the rest Catherine of them, Hardwick did the first one? Catherine Hardwick. Yeah. She's a good director, though. Yeah, but she, I don't know what happened. It was, she made some choices. And then New Moon was directed by, (laughs) New Moon is directed by Chris White, who is, he's the uncredited co-director of American Pie. What? But was known for mostly About a Boy and The Golden Compass. Eventually, he went on to be a co-writer of Star Wars, not Star Wars, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, interesting career. Yeah. Eclipse was directed by David Slade, who has directed. It's weird how each of these have like a different director. That's so bizarre. Yeah, I didn't. I thought the first one was Catherine Hardwick, and then I thought the rest were the same no. person. But it's yeah, that's weird. Yeah, because that's because that's the Harry Potter route. We're kind of yeah. after um, whoever directed the fourth one. David Yates took over and kind of stuck. Is Breaking Dawn 1 and 2 the same? I believe so. So the director of Eclipse is David Slade. The only two films he did before Eclipse were Hard Candy and 30 Days a Night. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they were like, yes, this is That is our guy to do our teenage (laughs) romance movie. What the fuck? God, Twilight is such a weird It's a weird series. Saga. It really is. Ugh, it's so weird. It's so, oh wow. Here is a very underrated one. So before Breaking Dawn Part 1 came out, he did a movie called Water for Elephants. Now, I really like this movie. You were telling me you hadn't seen it? I have not. I think I saw like parts of it because I remember it was on TV one time and I was just like kind of casually watching it, but I didn't actually watch it. I know it's like Reese Witherspoon. Yes. And some circus shit i don't really know he, anything about he work, it. <laughs> robert pattinson works like in a circus and reese witherspoon and crystal Waltz are like in an abusive relationship and he starts falling for her and won't 
dive too into spoilers, but I feel like this may sell you on watching it. You see an elephant kill a man in this movie. Oh. Like, and not even like, (laughs) not even like, oh, the elephant stomped him. Like, the elephant picks up one of the spikes from the tent, I believe, and slashes him in the back of the neck with it. (laughs) It's it's pretty great. That is amazing yeah okay you've sold me you've got me also christoph waltz like okay also he's in a relationship with reese witherspoon that seems yeah it is weird (laughs) this this movie just kind of came and went and people forgot about it i feel like if it came out around the time of like greatest showman it'd probably be huge wasn't it a book yes it is by sarah gruen from 2006 it's just typical romance stuff but i i like the circus stuff like circus themes in movies yeah it's interesting not enough movies do it and then the movies that do do it like greatest showman are like god awful yeah yeah no one can get the the circus vibes i feel right? like this one gets i close. oh my god i was just triggered <laughs> by circus <laughs> go <Yes>. on <laughs> no okay <sighs> I have so much rage about this. Okay. So there is this book series that I read as a kid that I fucking loved. It was so goddamn good. It was like 12 books. It was called Cirque du Freak. And they made a movie about the it. The Vampire's Assistant? Yeah. Oh, my With God. fucking... Um, a John C. Riley. With John C. Riley. And they made it like a goofy comedy shit yeah, show they fumbled the bag and it on was that. oh my god i because i was like so excited for that movie <laughs> i was like this is my shit and it was so bad and like the books are so good at least from my memory of like middle school me reading them <laughs> i think like back in like 2016 the writer like got online and said like originally there was planned to be like four movies but like last i heard he was like looking at like rebooting them so you may get it. I would love to get like a very dark, like rated R version of it because it's extremely like, I don't know. It's technically a YA, I believe, but mm. it's very gory and brutal and dark. And like to see like a rated R version of that story would be so cool. I would never say never because you remember how bad the Golden Compass movie was, right? Oh my god! And then yeah. now they just did the his dark materials on HBO, and from what I hear, that's actually very good. Yeah, that's what I, I think. We are getting at the phase where some of these books are like almost nostalgic. That I think reboots or like retellings done in the proper way will like come rather than just like, oh, let's just pump out this quick like adaptation and roll with it. I feel like a lot of times they're just like, oh, people love this book let's make a movie because it'll make money and then they don't actually put any passion or care into Mm -hmm. it and then it sucks Mm -hmm. like they were like oh let's take this really dark vampire story and make it goofy and cast john c Riley. like let's take this vampire (laughs) story make it goofy and cast Kristen stewart and robert (laughs) honestly but um that leads us to the first part of the Twilight finale, Breaking Dawn Part 1, released in 2011. That one was actually directed by uh, Bill Condon, who did uh, that Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 one. Oh, so I did not yeah. know that. I, I feel like 
I'm in the minority here, but I kind of really liked the Beauty and the Beast's live action. It's okay. Whoever did production design, I'm like, please do the Dark Souls movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was beautiful. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't have any problems. Dan Stevens is the Beast, which is like <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, that is good casting. Now that I think about it. I do think Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2 are like, say what you will about the Twilight movies, I think those two legitimately are good. Honestly, I don't remember much. Like, I remember the very disturbing baby, Renesmee. Will haunt my dreams. Like, truly, who decided, yes, this is... This baby is so beautiful. This baby looks fine. <laughs> because, like, if you read the books, Renesmee is supposed to be, like, the most beautiful, glowing, incredible baby. And then they made this, like, creepy CGI monster. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Oh, it's so creepy. You want, are you ready to feel old as fuck right now? Oh, I don't know if I am. Mackenzie Foy, who plays Renesmee, is 21 now. What? Her birthday is November 10th, 2000. Ugh. I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So she was... Okay, so she was like 12? Wait, 11? Wait. She was 11 or 10. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Weird, right? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I do remember the sex scene in part one where they like break the headboard with like by squeezing it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I had this like cloth poster in my room for the longest time. It was the wedding photo (laughs) and it was like kind of hilarious. I like kept it in my room until I was like 25. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It was, it was, it was, those last two are great, especially part two with like that big ass fight scene with all the decapitations. Yeah. Part two is pretty epic. Isn't uh, Dakota Fanning in that? Yes, she plays uh, one of the Volturi. Right. It's all coming back to me. It's been a very... I haven't seen these movies since they came out, so it's been... I just... I just... Ten years. Just bought them on Blu-ray, and <laughs> I I admittedly rewatched them, like, last year. Hey, no, no judgment. Honestly, I... <laughs> I don't know why. I think the first one is my favorite, <laughs> even though... It's really bad. Like, it's really bad. But I think it has some, like, charm to it because it's so bad. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack is really good. And Holy shit. Rami Malek is in those movies, too. What? He plays Benjamin. Benjamin. Like... Is that a wolf? No, he's a vampire. Like, Google <laughs> oh. Rami Malek Twilight and look at the image that comes up. Oh, my God! <laughs> Wait, I totally remember this, but it, like, never clicked. Yeah. And he's got the what? red eyes and the scarf. He looks crazy. <laughs> the scarf. <laughs> it's like you look at it and you're like, sure, that, that is Rami Malik." Yep, it is. I think his character is even Egyptian. That's cool. I Yeah, I don't remember this character at all. Wow. It's time to revisit those. I think I do need to revisit them. It's time to... Like... It's time to rewatch. You got your new YouTube series. I know. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of like rewatching old things videos. Like I'm doing one on Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> which I haven't watched since like literally since they came out. So I don't even remember them. So that'll be fun. I'm also doing a video on Robert Pattinson's favorite movies, which has been very fun to research. Listen, you could do self plugs at the end. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it falls. It's in the. It's within the topic. Yeah, we 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 keep everything. We keep everything related here. It makes sense. It makes sense. Lo- loosely, loosely, loosely. In between Twilight Breaking Dawn Part One and Two, Pattinson did a movie called Cosmopolis, written and directed by Cronenberg of all people. This might be a hot take. But I hate this movie. <laughs> oh my god. This is one of those movies you either fucking love like me or you just like despise. <laughs> oh no. This is like I hate it. <laughs> this is a very like split down the middle movie. Like I love how it's only in the limo the entire time. No. <laughs> I love it. That is <sighs> so great to me. Like okay, so that's I love like a one room movie like a movie that only takes place in one spot but i just i just hate it i hated it oh i hated it but i would i want to hear why you love it oh it's just like it's very cronenberg like weirdness it's just like people think cronenberg they think oh body horror just everything has to be goopy like a hundred percent of the time and it's like no cronenberg also gets very like surreal but he does surreal in realistic settings. Now, what is more realistic than just a millionaire who chills in the back of his limo and doesn't get out of it the entire time? But it's so boring. No. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. I was so bored watching this. I like almost turned it off and then I was like, no. No. I'll keep going. I'll keep watching for this, Paul Giamatti. This was like <laughs> this was like right in the middle of like Cronenberg's like what people like to call like his indie phase. I say that as I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> and that was like started in 2005 with the history of violence. Then it was Eastern promises, a dangerous method. That's the one with Vigo playing Sigmund Freud, Cosmopolis, and then maps to the stars, which is also a pan and sin movie. I haven't seen that one, but I remember both it. of them. Fantastic. I am an unapologetic Cronenberg fan. In fact, my old podcast before we split up was going to be like this. We were going to do like this huge like Cronenberg series where we just covered all of his movies, yeah. which, by the way, he's working with Kristen Stewart on his next film. Oh, I don't oh know yeah. She's like one of the leads in like a movie coming out this year called Crimes of the Future. And it's supposed to be like oh, Cronenberg's like big return to like body horror. Oh, so I just body horror with Kristen Stewart. It, okay. Yeah. So I know this man watched Twilight. With Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson went, yes, they they both can act. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Cosmopolis. I understand it's not for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I I can, like, respect it, like, visually and, like, I don't know. Like, I parts of it were good. I think all the scenes with Paul Giamatti were great because mm-hmm. I love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know. I was – I felt like the script was very – the pacing was very slow and the script itself was just not engaging enough for me. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't follow it along. Like it gets points because Robert Pattinson looks very handsome in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was not mad about looking at him, but like, it was just, it was so boring to me. I couldn't, I don't even remember what any, I don't remember anything that happens in this film. Like I couldn't, I could not tell you like the plot I was just so bored. Well, <laughs> it sounds like it's time for you to uh, revisit. I, I know. I'm like, maybe I should rewatch it. Maybe I was missing something. <laughs> maybe you were in the thick of Twilight popularity going, what the fuck is this? No, because I watched it 
like two years ago. Oh shit! Never mind. Yeah, I watched it recently. Now going a little bit forward, have you seen the Rover at all? What's What's the next movie that both of us have seen? Um. Oh man. Is it good oh, man. time? It's it's good time. Good time. Yeah. Okay. It's good time. I, I, <laughs> I, I knew we would reach this point. <laughs> this movie fucking rips yes like i have i have no other way to say that this movie whips all sorts of ass yes cross the room if this movie fucking slaps certified ass whipper (laughs) that's gonna be our new like like rating scale like certified (laughs) ass whipper oh my god (laughs) i want that on a shirt yeah oh for sure yeah certified (laughs) i got the card for sure (laughs) But this movie fucking owns so goddamn hard. I cannot overstate <sighs> this movie. I don't even know where to begin. You got you got some some thoughts on it? <laughs> uh well, I just rewatched it last night because we were going to talk about it tonight originally. Man, yeah, where to begin? It's just so fucking good. <laughs> it's like it's one of those movies that like if you were to describe it to someone, it doesn't sound that interesting, but when you're watching it, it's so gripping and the pacing is weirdly slow and fast at the same time, if that makes sense. So for our listeners that don't know this movie in particular, you want to give them like an elevator pitch of what it's about. Yeah, yeah, I probably should have started with that. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm about almost finished with my gin and tonic, so I am feeling it. <laughs> I'm having, I, you, one might say, I'm having a good time. Oh, so Jesus, I need it. I need like a soundboard button for when a bad pun ever happens, and it just plays like. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> yes, just for me and all my bad puns. So this is about. Robert Pattinson and his brother, played by Benny Safdie, and it begins with them robbing a bank, and then it's just sort of this, it's like one night long of, (laughs) I'm doing such a bad at describing this. Okay, let me try again. So (laughs) Benny Safdie gets, (laughs) Benny Safdie is brothers to Robert Pattinson's character, Connie. Now, Benny Safdie plays Nick. They do a robbery, and Nick gets arrested and put into jail and connie learns that nick is going to be transferred to prison which is Mm -hmm. off the island in new york where they live so basically connie goes on this like fucking quest through hell to try and get his brother out before he transfers (laughs) they transfer him to prison Mm -hmm. and i want to say that is like the loosest like definition of the plot yeah it's hard to like i don't want to give away anything other than that Mm -hmm. but yes (laughs) it's 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 like neon drenched it's got it's got a killer soundtrack the soundtrack is so like it's this very intense electronic synth vibe that's just like adrenaline pumping and very stressful Mm -hmm. like it keeps the tension really high and it keeps the momentum going but it also just like fucking slaps And it's so, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And if Uncut Gems was a a full-blown anxiety attack, Good Time is the waking nightmare. It's like very dreamlike, 
but not a good dream. Yeah. It's a bad trip. There's a scene at an amusement park that's like almost traumatic to watch. Oh my God. <laughs> With the Sprite bottles. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. This movie is kind of like a bad trip. <laughs> it, it really is. It's But in the best yeah, way. Yeah, it's funny because it's like, oh, good time. You'll have a good time. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> you will. B- but this movie is, is fan- fucking tastic this actually like really introduced me the safty brothers as a whole and kind of convinced me to take robert pattinson serious as an actor i think me too actually because before this he you know he had been like fine but he hadn't really given any performance that like really convinced me that he was a good actor like twilight i think he was just given a bad script and bad direction and he was fine. You know, he did what he could with what he was given. Remember Me was fine, but like nothing blew me away. Yeah. I think this was the first chance he got to like truly show his talent and like what he could do and who he could be. And I think he was also kind of finding his niche and what kinds of roles he wanted to play. Yeah. This was definitely, at least for me, the first movie that I watched where I was like, oh, damn. He's like really good. Oh, 100%. This was the movie that when they announced that he was cast as the role of Batman, I was like, a thousand percent, this makes sense. Yeah, and there were so many people who were like, oh, no, Edward Cullen is Batman. Yeah, sparkly vampires. And I was like, bruh, (laughs) literally just watch Good Time, watch The Lighthouse. Like, he's such a good Actor. You can watch the film he did after Good Time, which we can have a little discussion about. 2018's High Life. <gasps> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so for context, Steph wanted to slip in another Robert Pattinson movie before the recording. And I was like, can you please let it be High Life? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I watched High Life about two hours ago for the first time (laughs) i wow did you what did you know what this was about like going in no i knew it was all i knew was that it was robert pattinson in space yeah that's it for for our listeners it's about basically a prison convoy that like they load up these prison prisoners onto a ship and tell them oh we're gonna send you in a black hole to just kind of see what happens We're experimenting with your lives. Yeah, they're like experimenting with radiation and black holes and like very risky experiments that they wouldn't send like normal scientists, but they're like, oh, you could either have the death penalty or go to space and do these really risky experiments. And probably die anyway. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'd rather do that. (laughs) But like unbeknownst to them, the main like doctor slash researcher on board is sexually experimenting on them. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's a light way of putting it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You could say it like that. (laughs) She. I don't want to like spoil things, although I guess it came out like four years ago. But yeah, she's she basically changes the mission and is like. Well, actually, we're going to do experiments on you and try and conceive babies in space, which is kind of like to me, I was like, well, why are you doing this? Like, is it hard to conceive babies in space? Like, wouldn't it just be the same? (laughs) Nobody knows because nobody's done it. 
Yeah, I guess. It it gets wild. There's unconsensual stuff kind of happening. There's like weird. Listen, I did not sign up for that much semen. There's, there's a lot of body fluids in this movie. So many fluids. Like too many. This movie is wet. But it's like all done like very classy. It's done like a like a seventies art house film. It is. It is. Cla- <laughs> yes, the <laughs> scenes are very classy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we might need to edit that. <laughs> I could not get that sentence out without laughing. <laughs> Jesus, no, it's there's like uh, weird mas- <laughs> masturbatory boxes. The fuck box. Yeah. Yes. Like everything's every, there's a lot of right angles to the designs of everything. It doesn't look like normal spaceships. It looks like what they imagined spaceships would look like in like the 50s. It is a weird spaceship. Like, you're right. It's not sleek. It's not futuristic. It's very old school. Like, it's literally a box. It's like a, what's the word? Like a box car. They're in there growing space weed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have a little garden. It's It's great. It was. It's one of those rare movies that when I saw it, I walked out and I was like, "That movie's a goddamn masterpiece." Because I think it it is. It it's got more to say than just oh, these people are just living through like horrific like things. Because because it's all done in like a very tasteful, like beautiful way of like in a weird way. It's almost about like raising a child that was unplanned. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out like the purpose of this film and like what am I supposed to take away from it? Mm -hmm. And it, it felt like it was just like the underlying theme was something about parenting and the connection that Robert Pattinson has with his daughter Willow. And I like, I guess that was the purpose, but I don't, I like really. So, so Claire Denis has gone on record to compare Pattinson's character to the Knight Percival from King Arthur legend mm-hmm. okay. and uh, Ben O'Shea's character do uh, Medea from the Greek tragedy. That's interesting. Never would have guessed. You that. could write like college dissertations about this movie because I think this movie has like many layers to it. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, I mean, since I literally just watched it, I feel like I just don't know enough information about it. But I, after I watched it, I was like trying to figure out if I, liked it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i was like i did not enjoy my time here Mm -hmm. (laughs) i did not enjoy this experience but i also found it super interesting very beautifully shot extremely well acted like everything technically was done very well and i do i respect when a film takes me out of my comfort zone like I didn't really know where it was going or why we were here or what was happening. And it was very uncomfortable, but like, I think that was kind of the point. So I don't know. I I would, I would like to do more research on this. And I think the one thing that makes me think that I do like this movie is I always love when after I finish a film, I immediately like, run to the internet and I run to Reddit and I'm like, what's everyone else saying about this movie? Like, I need to know. And that's like when I know that a film has struck me in a certain way because like, it's a very memorable film. It's saying a lot. I want to know what other people are thinking. I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to make sense of the ending. And any movie that makes me do that and that makes me think is usually 
it's a good movie. So I will say that I think that I liked it. <laughs> right on. Right on. Pivoting off of High Life, we can go basically his next two movies of note were The Lighthouse, which I actually kind of don't want to dive into because I kind of want to cover it in a full episode on here. <gasps> oh, we totally should. Yeah. I thought. Yo, of, I love this movie. <laughs> I thought about that. I thought about that when we were putting this episode together and I was like, I was like, oh my god, kind of want to cover that for a full episode. I would love to cover this movie. I love it so much, and nobody understands why I love it so much. Listen, we could probably get a, a, a two-hour episode out of that one, so yes. we'll come back to that one. Okay, okay. But just know, okay. I think everybody who runs this pod loves that movie. Yes, it's so good. It's so underappreciated. And then his next major release before Batman was Tenet. I still haven't seen Tenet. I own it on 4K and haven't watched it. <laughs> Wait, why did you buy it if you didn't even well, watch it? Well, because it was one of those things of like, oh, well, I wasn't able to see it in IMAX, so I'm just going to buy it mm. in the best format available. And here it sits on my shelf brand new. <laughs> I heard bad things, so I haven't you, seen it. You know what? I dislike more Christopher Nolan movies than I do like. The only one I'll probably viciously go to bat for is probably Dunkirk. Yeah, like I feel like he gets so much respect and like visually his movies are great. He, he is a good director, but like his scripts leave a lot to be desired. Yeah, like I I really love The Dark Knight and I really mm -hmm. love Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. But that's like pretty much Yeah, it. I can make the argument that like Inception and Interstellar are really bad scripts. I I've been actually wanting to revisit those cuz it's been so long since I've seen them. <laughs> Listen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in Inception is Mr. Exposition. He's lit he's literally there to explain stuff. That did have a lot of exposition. And like granted it's a very complicated. And so did Interstellar. Yeah. Yeah, like I remember both of those movies I enjoyed but also felt like they were like really convoluted. And Dunkirk is the first of, one that like treats its audience like it's not an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Dunkirk was phenomenal. Which I hear Tenet does the same thing of like not really explaining anything. So I'm like, for all mm -hmm. I know, I might love it. Yeah. I do want to see it. Mm -hmm. It's just like there's so many other things that I'd rather watch that I just haven't watched it yet. But I do want to watch it. I mostly want to watch it for Robert Pattinson, honestly. <laughs> Right on. That seems like a good enough reason. Leading on to our last movie, and actually one that kind of got news like very recently surrounding it. They finally confirmed that Robert Pattinson is coming back for The Batman 2. Hell yeah. I <laughs> my king fucking loved this movie. Same. Oh my god. To me, this is like the perfect adaptation of the comics. I don't know. You want to lead the conversation on this one? Sure. So I saw this movie twice in theaters. And the first time I saw it, I had like a couple minor complaints, just like small things here and there. And I was like, yeah, I really liked it. But like there was this and there was that. And then I saw it again. And I was like, this is the best Batman. Yo, that's like ever. It's like kind of the same thing I, I did because like. It's kind of funny. Like, I walked out the first time and I was like, huh. I was like, okay. And then, like, over the course of the week, because I saw it on a Sunday, I was like, I could not stop thinking about it. Like, it was those movies that, like, kept picking at my brain. And I was like, oh, God, I have to watch it again. 
and I did with kind of everything going into it, I was like, oh shit, yeah, this movie rips. I have like no other way of like saying it. Like that when I think Batman adaptations, this is kind of what comes to mind now. Honestly, I think it's like I I love the Dark Knight. I have always loved the Dark Knight. I saw it eight times in theaters. It is still the movie I've seen the most times in theaters because I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason I loved it so much is because of the Joker, like Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger as the Joker mm-hmm. was kind of what made that movie so good. Mm-hmm. So like, was it really the best Batman movie? Uh, I don't really know. But I, I think this, I think Robert Pattinson in the Batman might be the best live action Batman that we've gotten so far. It nails like so many elements. It nails the only thing it doesn't nail is the Bruce Wayne aspect of the Batman character. But, 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 big asterisk, <laughs> it's not supposed to. Like, this is still mm-hmm. year two Batman where he's just like obsessed with the Batman persona. And I like, like, okay, so the Bruce Wayne that we get in the Batman might not be the Bruce Wayne that we are used to in the comics Mm -hmm. or anywhere, but I agree with what you're saying. And also he's the, this portrayal of Bruce Wayne is so different from anything we have ever seen. And also feels much more realistic. Like, yeah, obviously this guy who's like, a vigilante at night dressing as a bat probably has some mental problems, probably is a recluse and doesn't really know how to talk to people. It (laughs) it answers that argument where they're like, Oh, Batman like only fights like the mentally ill. And then it's like, this movie proposes the idea. No, Bruce Wayne is very much mentally ill himself. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Which, which works a thousand percent. Um, like you said though, like, I I know a lot of people may think this ain't the Bruce Wayne we're used to. This is year one Bruce Wayne. Like, did you ever read a Batman year one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah this I is did. that Bruce Wayne where he's like obsessed yes. with like, just like, how the hell do I scare criminals? Like, how mm-hmm. do I fight better? Like, he's just obsessed right. with the bat persona and like, doesn't care about anything else. Exactly. Like he's, he's obsessed and he doesn't really know what he's doing, but he's figuring it out and he fucks up a couple times and he's like not interested in being Bruce Wayne at all. Like mm-hmm. in this movie, you can tell he's like doesn't want to attend any events as Bruce Wayne. Like he doesn't. They call him a recluse. Yeah. Like when he appears in public, people are like, oh, my God, that's Bruce Wayne. He, his he his skin is pale from just like not going out in the day. Oh, my God. And the one thing that I love so much, I've loved it ever since like the very first teaser is that they actually show the black makeup that he puts on his eyes under the cowl makes sense like people hated that and i was like no that kind of whips realistic. (laughs) yeah like everyone's like oh he's so emo and it's like well yeah (laughs) he kind of (laughs) is but like it's realistic that's literally what he has to do he has to put on makeup so that the cowl does And people it. don't like how the cowl, like, the entire jaw is exposed. But I'm like, I feel like that's, like, better for, like, breathing and whatnot. And, like, have you seen Robert Pattinson's jawline? Yeah. Come like, on. You can't cover that up. <laughs> well, it's also, like, Matt Reeves has gone on record and said that, like, he's a big fan of the, like, Adam West Batman series. 
And the, the Adam West Batman had like the same type of cowl where where it's like the whole bottom half is like exposed. Yeah, and I like it. I think it's it, cool. it, it. The more you look at this movie, the more you realize like that Adam West Batman series like slipped in more than people realize. The four villains of that particular Batman movie all appear in this movie. It's a uh, Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, and Joker. And then also there was that one random woman living with Alfred and Bruce Wayne in the manor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's actually from the '66 series, also. Oh. Which leads me to my second point that the only other person that was living in the manor that was missing was Robin, <gasps> who is a big part of the 66 series. I want Robin. I want Robin so I bad. think, I think, and especially with how kind of true to the comics that they're sticking with these movies, like people are like, no, Robin would never work in a long Halloween type movie. I'm like, motherfuckers, do you even know that like the sequel to the long Halloween Dark Victory is a Robin origin story. Like, yeah, like people are like upset about the idea of Robin being in a Batman movie. And they're like, oh, he's just like a lame secondary character. Like, just put him off to the side. And it's like, Robin was one of the first side characters introduced in the comics. He, he was. He was, he was the first sidekick and he was introduced one year into Batman's career. He was introduced before even Catwoman or the Joker. He's been there longer than he hasn't been. And it was, and they did that. Well, they did it to obviously keep keep kids reading the comics. But like, they did it also for a storytelling purpose of like, it's what grounds Bruce Wayne. Like he essentially becomes a dad. Like he can't be so unhinged and like brutal as Batman anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think like they always try and ground him through alfred mm -hmm. and like he's kind of what keeps him in check but i think it would be more interesting for him to be like responsible for someone and like him be more of the father figure instead of alfred being the father figure to him and i don't know it's like it's something that hasn't really been explored in live action batman movies like anything recently at least and i would love to see that Aside from like in uh, Chris O'Donnell, <laughs> The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, no, in The Dark Knight John. Rises, when he's like, "Oh, by the way, my middle name's Robin." <laughs> I hate that I'm defending this because that was probably the best thing they could have done for Robin for that particular adaptation of these characters. Really? Like, think about it. He was running around the city helping Batman do tasks. Yeah, I mean, like at one point, Dick Grayson was a police officer for uh, the Bloodhaven Police Department, so it's not entirely yeah. unheard of that Robin was a cop. I mean, yes, that's true, but it just felt so like shoehorned in, like for fan service and oh, nothing yeah, else. Oh, yeah, agree, agree. But I'm like, if it was... It's believable. If it was yeah. revealed at the beginning that the character's name was Robin, would you have been more into that idea? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because you would have bought into it, like, right at the start. Oh, this is this universe's, like, version of Robin. Yeah, I think I would have appreciated it more because I would have been like, oh, this is cool. This is, like, a different take. Yeah. Like... But for them to just, at the very end, be like, oh, by the way, my name's Robin. It's like, what? It is a little shitty. But also, it's like a little nod to like what was happening at the comics at the time, because um, this was like right where the new 52 was starting, where like Bruce Wayne became Batman again in the comics. And leading up to that, uh, Dick Grayson was actually Batman. So it was like a little wink and a nod of like, oh, 
Robin becomes Batman at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, like he is in the comics. I do agree, though. It was kind of dumb keeping it at the end. I'd have been way more into it if they were like, oh, right at the front. Oh, this is like Robin Blake. It's like, oh, here's a new take on that character. Yeah, yeah. like I think there would have been nothing wrong with doing that. Like it would have felt a little less cheap. I feel like in the Robert Pattinson Batman, especially in the opening scene where like he goes to the mayor's house, like the crime scene. And he sees the mayor's son sitting on the bed and he like they lock eyes for like a little bit. And he kind of feels what he feels. I was like, yes, we're we're going to get Robin in these movies at some point. Yeah. There's also yeah. there's also a theory that the gang member at the beginning with the makeup, the one that didn't want to like partake in the criminal activity. There's also a fan theory currently going around that that's going to be Robin. But I mm. think that started because that particular actor plays Tim Drake on Titans. Oh, no shit. Yep, that's him. He, he oh. apparently he shot the Batman before he did Titans, but huh. he is indeed the one that plays Tim Drake. Okay. So technically there is a Robin, but <laughs> I really hope we get a Robin in the next Batman movie. Yeah. And I hope we get like more like, I think if they do Joker, they need to wait. Yeah. I Save it for like the last movie. Yeah. I was very conflicted about that scene with the joke okay the one the the one in the movie is cool the one where he makes friends with riddler because it's like oh him and batman already have a history and now the joker is like playing the long game he's like building up his resources and shit making connects because that was all you needed you just needed to know oh this character exists in this universe he's kind of pulling over his resources maybe we'll see him do something one day Especially because he's like, Gotham loves a comeback story. Right. Yeah, I like that the Joker is like, he's already kind of, his story is already done. We don't need to see it. Mm -hmm. We can assume that him and Batman have some kind of history and that he put them, he put him there. Mm -hmm. And now he's just kind of there. But there was that deleted scene. I hate, I hate that (laughs) deleted scene. I do. Okay, wait. I, I don't think it should have been in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely absolutely should not have been in the movie. However, I like the direction that it's taking where, like, the Joker is kind of like Hannibal Lecter in this scenario I... where Batman can just come to him and be like, hey, so, like, like they can kind of, like, help each other out weirdly. I, I don't know. I think that's such an interesting relationship for them to have. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's different for sure. I don't know if I like it because I feel like I feel like the Joker would be like, I'm not telling you shit and just like kind of laugh in his face, which he sort of does here. But it plays more like the Hannibal Lecter thing. And like you do see like the little like light of him being obsessed with Batman, like where he's like where Batman's like, oh, enough about me. Why do you want to talk about me? And he's like, oh, because you're so much more interesting. I just don't think it would make sense. Like, It doesn't make sense to me that Bruce Wayne, the world's greatest detective, Batman, the world's greatest detective, would go to the Joker for help on anything. Yeah, I I mean, I think it would have to be like a very specific, like one-time kind of thing. Yeah, it would have to be a far bigger villain, like a Bane or somebody, not like Riddler. It would be an interesting thing to do simply for the fact that 
I think we're just kind of tired of the same Joker story. And to, so to like see him being used in a different way. Would be we cool. say that, but then like 2019's Joker makes a billion at the box office. So it's like <laughs> people can say, oh, I'm tired of the Joker, but like. Well, but that's different, though, because that was like his own movie. But like to see him in the Batman being the same as he always. I don't know. It's it's the thing where it's like I think people online will always say that they're tired of the Joker, but like anytime Joker happens, people will flock to go see it. Like yeah, like Suicide Squad still made like a ton of money, and ju- that first one made way more money probably because it had the Joker. I know people that didn't see the second one because it didn't have the Joker. Really? Yeah. Oh, I hated. That Joker is awful, but it is indeed the Joker, and people love the Joker. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like any, like people might even like hate watch it. Like they'll be like, "Oh, well, I just have to see what the Joker is." That's but that's exactly what it is. I just, I don't, I just think the Batman movies don't need the Joker. Like I like that we had the Riddler as the first villain. I love that it was Paul Dano. He was so good. Everything about it was so fun, especially because this I feel like this is the first time we've really seen Batman as like actually the world's greatest detective. Like he is actually being a detective in this movie, which he really isn't in any of the other ones. And there's like this buddy cop thing going on with him and Gordon and having the Riddler as the villain makes it a lot easier to have this detective thing because there's all these riddles to solve and all these clues and it wasn't it wasn't really like the movie that i was expecting which is probably why after i saw it i was like i don't really know how i feel about this it, it it's cuz we all expected like batman punches supervillain movie and yeah. instead we got <laughs> oh batman goes to crime scene and looks around batman follows leads batman there's not a, too much violence in this movie but when it's in there it hits hard yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was uh it was really a. it was really a interesting i'm like really thinking about this movie now i know i want to watch it again. i like did you know they removed almost the entire like third act with like the stadium and all the like riddler copies oh really? yeah i guess they talked about how it like kind of mirrored too much of the capital attack but they realized that um that that scene is actually a little bit too integral to the plot damn it's very interesting i do recommend like reading up on the production of this movie it's uh it's it's wild like they legit film scenes with like barry keegan portraying a fake character so that it didn't leak out that he was playing the joker (laughs) wow yeah it's insane um and i guess that only leaked out because his brother tweeted it out yeah that's crazy yeah but Overall, love Robert Pattinson's Batman. Oh my god, yeah. He's he I like there were so many people when that was first announced that were upset about that casting and I was just like No. This is amazing. Oh no, yeah. As soon as that got announced, I was like, Oh, this whips ass that might be yeah. one of the best like people yeah. you could cast. I was like I was pumped. I was like on cloud nine because I had just seen it was announced like what, 2019? I think so, yeah. I think I had just seen like High Life a couple weeks before and my friend texted it to me and I was like, what? And it was also like Robert Pattinson's like return to like big mainstream filmmaking. 
And I was like, oh, if he took that part, that script must be excellent or like the pitch for it must be so good. Right. Because he's so picky and he like is not the mainstream movie type of guy. Like that's not I mean, he took Tenet, which I guess is kind of mainstream, but it's also Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. So like for him to be like, yes, I will play Batman. That's like that's proof enough. Like this has to be an amazing movie. (laughs) The fact they got him to commit to more than one movie. Yeah. Like, he read that script and he was like, yes, I am in. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely good stuff. Can't wait for the sequel. I'm sure this will not be the last time this movie is discussed on this podcast. For sure. (laughs) It's like a movie that kind of lives in all of our heads, like, rant-free. I I think I think about it at least once a day. (laughs) I actually just watched it last night. Really? I need to rewatch it. (laughs) Um, My mother hadn't seen it, so... I was like, oh, yeah, Uh, now I got an excuse. I feel like it's just going to get better every time. Oh, man. Wow. We've been recording for an hour and a half. Yeah. Time flies. (laughs) Uh, There's so many movies. There really is. And so much, so much gin. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Closing thoughts. I mean, I am so happy that Robert Pattinson is finally getting the recognition he deserves. It is like a very long time coming and I hope that people who watched the Batman and were like, oh, wow, he's actually really good. Like, I hope that they go back and revisit some of his other stuff. Like, I hope they go watch Good Time and The Lighthouse and High Life and that's it, I guess. (laughs) No, that works, I guess. But yeah. Before we get out of here with the outro I think I had to slip in an ad read. Oh, shit. Yeah. So quick word from our sponsors before we get out of here. Folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bring you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From bumper stickers that tell the world about your love for the 1999 classic The Mummy to stylish hats that celebrate the fine works of Nora Ephron. They even have super soft t-shirts based off the internet's favorite collective husband, Oscar Isaac. Super Yaki brings you tangible love letters to the movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And for our listeners, you can enter the code SUPERWINDSOR in all caps to receive 10% off your entire order. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies! Okay, yeah. Um, thank you, listeners, for bearing with us on this kind of spur of the moment episode, and also for trying something new, a little more loose and free form. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll all be here next week. Yes, I know. What do we even know what we're doing next week? I haven't thought about it, nor nor have I caught, con- <laughs> nor have I contacted a guest. But I will figure. Yeah, it out. <laughs> you know, I always do. Yeah, yeah. You come through. This is how the pod works. It's very. Lucy goosey it's very texting okay what's happening today i love it though i love how chill it is like tonight i had so much fun i love how casual this is i love how much gin i have consumed Damn. possibly too much. so <laughs> you want to let listeners know where they can find you yes
Yeah, you can find me on all social media at Steph Koza. Um, and you can find me on my YouTube channel, Steph Koza vs. The Movies. I am currently making a very topical video about Robert Pattinson's favorite movies, um, which I wanted to talk about, actually, but we've we've gotten too far. So you'll just have to watch that video <laughs> to find out what his favorite movies are. Um, spoiler alert, they are ridiculous. And I'm going to be watching a handful of them and reviewing them and reacting to them. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Um, yeah. That's about it. You can find me on all social media at JFC Doomblade. You can also find the pod at Windsor Film Club. We're available on Apple and Spotify. Uh, thank you for joining us for the first installment of Windsor Film Club After Dark. We'll probably, this is probably what we'll keep the solo episodes for. Yeah, I like this of like this idea of doing like a topic instead of just a movie yeah they'll be the loose episodes when we have a guest we'll we'll laser in on something but yeah. but for now um we hope you enjoy please uh be sure to rate us if you enjoy yes, it please. and uh we'll see five stars yeah five stars no, nothing <laughs> less nothing we less. will only take five stars nothing less exactly um other than that we will see you next week bye